0: blog talk radio
1: but Obama wants to own the word fair and the phrase middle class
2: and yet who has done more destruction to working people in this country than Obama why isn't it
3: proper to point out the democrat base is made up for the most part of the nation's losers
1: free enterprise can do a better job of producing the things that people need than government can. Less government and less taxes and more freedom for the people.
3: Venezuela these countries are tiny compared to the Soviet Union never take that on this memorial day as our nation honors its unbroken line of fallen heroes and I see many of them in, in the audience here today. Writing if it means half the life, but you ain't gotta die to see the anti Christ. Just turn on your news at 6 tonight, and you can catch him walking right down the street. Everybody weeping every time he speaks. He rides in the vehicle, they call the beast, and people running up for a chance to meet. You think that agent says, Dance with me. His words induce a trance, and all I see are tears streaming down. Seventh Street.
4: I'm, I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not gonna take this anymore.
1: in 1927 an american socialist norman thomas six times candidate for president on the socialist party ticket said the american people would never vote for socialism but he said under the name of liberalism the american people will adopt every fragment of the socialist program there are many ways in which our government has invaded the precincts of private citizens the uh, method of earning a living but at the moment i'd like to talk about another way because this threat is with us and at the moment is more imminent. imminent, imminent. One of the traditional methods of imposing statism or socialism on a people has been by way of medicine. It's very easy to disguise a medical program as a humanitarian project. Most people are a little reluctant to oppose anything that suggests medical care for people who possibly can't afford it. Now, the American people if you put it to them about socialized medicine and gave them a chance to choose, would unhesitatingly vote against it. We have an example of this under the Truman administration. It was proposed that we have a compulsory health insurance program for all people in the United States, and, of course, the American people unhesitatingly rejected this. So, with the American people on record as not wanting socialized medicine, Congressman Feran said, if we can only break through and get our foot inside the door, Then we can expand the program after that. Well, let's see what the socialists themselves have to say about it. They say, once the Foran Bill is passed, this nation will be provided with a mechanism for socialized medicine capable of indefinite expansion in every direction until it includes the entire population. Well, we can't say we haven't been warned. James Madison, in 1788, speaking to the Virginia Convention, said... Since the general civilization of mankind, I believe there are more instances of the abridgment of the freedom of the people by gradual and silent encroachment of those in power than by violent and sudden usurpations. Now in our country, under our free enterprise system, we have seen medicine reach the greatest height that it has in any country in the world. Today, the relationship between patient and doctor in this country is something to be envied any place in there. The privacy, the care that is given to a person, the right to choose a doctor, the right to go from one doctor to the other. But let's also look from the other side at the freedom the doctor loses. The doctor begins to lose freedom. It's like telling a lie, and one leads to another. First you decide that the doctor can have so many patients, they're equally divided among the various doctors by the government. But then the doctors aren't equally divided geographically. So a doctor decides he wants to practice in one town and the government has to say to him you can't live in that town they already have enough doctors you have to go someplace else and from here it's only a short step to dictating where he will go this is a freedom that I wonder whether any of us have the right to take from any human being in this country of ours took place the greatest revolution that has ever taken place in the world's history the only true revolution every other revolution simply exchanged one set of rulers for another but here for the first time in all the thousands of years of man's relation to man, a little group of men, the founding fathers, for the first time, established the idea that you and I had within ourselves the God-given right and ability to determine our own destiny. This freedom was built into our government with safeguards. We talk democracy today we begin to assume the aspect of majority rule is all that is needed. Well, majority rule is a fine aspect of democracy, provided there are guarantees written in to our government concerning the rights of the individual and of the minorities. What can we do about this? Well, you and I can do a great deal. We can say right now that we want no further encroachment on these individual liberties and freedoms. And that you demand the continuation of our traditional free enterprise system. You and I can do this. The only way we can do it is by writing to our congressman, even if we believe that he's on our side to begin with. Write to strengthen his hand. Write those letters now. Call your friends and tell them to write. If you don't, this program, I promise you, will pass just as surely as the sun will come up tomorrow. And behind it will come other federal programs that will invade every area of freedom as we have known it in this country. Until one day, as Norman Thomas said, we will awake to find... That we have socialism. And if you don't do this, and if I do it, one of these days you and I are going to spend our sunset years telling our children and our children's children what it once was like in America when men were free.
5: All right. Well, good evening, folks. Welcome to another fun filled hour of the C. Robert Jones Situation Report. I see we've got Alexander Solo, Blog Talk Radio, Evil Clown. 2020s in the house. Good to see you, my friend. I am John Galt. Hey, the new Atlas Shrugged movie is now in production. Should be out sometime this fall. Uh, I am certainly looking forward to it. A new cast is going to be uh, at the helm of the title characters. So uh, I hear that uh, D.B. Sweeney is going to be playing uh, John Galt when he makes his appearance uh, in the movie. So, uh without further ado, let's get right down to it. Today's date April 18th. Wow, where does time where's the time gone? April 18th, 2012. Beautiful Old Town Alexandria. I'm going to be in Georgia this coming weekend. Old Town Alexandria, United States of America. Wow. <laughs> planet Earth. Third planet from the sun. All right. You know, I have an alias. A lot of us have aliases. Uh, some of them, some some say Nam, Nom de Guerre, Nom de Plume. We're just plain old-fashioned alias. I have an alias, and I'm not so sure I'm going to be able to use my alias anymore. <sighs> because of some recent events. My alias is Theodore Nugent. I check into hotels. I write Theodore Nugent. (laughs) Someone will ask me my name. Some stranger, I'll say Theodore Nugent. Whenever I want to sign a document that I don't want to fix my actual name to, I write Theodore Nugent. (laughs) And most people aren't really paying attention. And some folks don't even know who Theodore Nugent is. Ted Nugent. Um, But Ted is in the news because Ted said some things that raised a few eyebrows. Now, I've said a few things that raised some eyebrows lately. I have not yet received my Secret Service visit, although I do expect to at some point. I have the lawyers on standby, and I have bail money Already to be posted, but a lot of us aren't in position to do that, so we have to be careful about what we say. So, (laughs) yeah, yeah, uh, 2020 writes in the chat room that's 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 done. I I can't, I can't, I'm gonna have to fall back on Philip Sheridan Parker, the third taken from uh, the book, The Brotherhood of War. But uh, I may, you know, I may be able to... Well, let's take a listen. Here's what I want to do. I want to compare what Ted said against what Farrakhan said. And ask the question, question, why isn't Farrakhan getting yet another Secret Service visit (laughs) and why is Ted getting one so let's compare the two statements and try to come to some meeting of the minds as to why Theodore Nugent is getting a visit from the Secret Service and Louis Farrakhan is not You're listening to the C. Robert Jones Situation Report.
2: If you can't get a couple of hundred people each, each of you, some of you, I bet you can get a couple thousand, your goal should be able to get a couple of thousand people per person who's here to vote for Mitt Romney in November. If you don't know that our government is wiping its ass with the Constitution. You're living under a rock someplace. And that there's a dead soldier, an airman, a marine, a a, a seaman, a a hero of the military that just got his legs blown off for the US Constitution. And we got a president and attorney general who doesn't even like the Constitution. We got four Supreme Court justices who don't believe in the Constitution Does everybody know here that four of the Supreme Court justices Not only determined you don't have the right to keep and bear arms Four Supreme Court justices Sign their name to a declaration That Americans have no fundamental right to self-defense That sounds like a stoned hippie That doesn't sound like a Supreme Court anything It sounds like a supremely intellectually vacuous punk to think that a human could think that humans don't have a basic right to self-defense is so bizarre to me as to my brain can't accept the information. And if you want more of those kinds of evil, anti-American people in the Supreme Court, then don't get involved and let Obama take office again. Because I tell you this right now, if Barack Obama becomes the president in November again, I will either be dead Or in jail by this time next year. Being at the NRA event, God bless you, good indicator. But if you can't go home and get everybody in your lives to clean house in this vile, evil, America-hating administration, I don't even know what you're made out of. If you can't galvanize and promote and recruit people to vote for Mitt Romney, we're done will be a suburb of Indonesia next year. Our uh, president and attorney general, our vice president, Hillary Clinton, they're criminals. They're criminals. And if you take that adamant we the people defiance, remember we're Americans because we defied the king. We didn't negotiate and compromise with the king. We defied the emperors. We are patriots. We are braveheart. We need to ride into that battlefield and chop their heads off in November. Am I – any questions?
5: All right. And we're back with the C. Robert Jones situation report. Chopping off heads. You know, there are two rockers two seventies rockers that i admire just two one uh, is gene simmons and the other is uh, ted nugent what do the two rockers have in common most of all well they don't drink or smoke or do drugs according to them they never did they didn't see the point of it number two they were all about the ladies when they were rocking they rocked for the chicks it was the only reason why they did what they did not to get drunk not to shoot up heroin or coke and all of that so I admire them for that clean livers pretty much now let's be fair here I have said on my blog talk radio show a lot of things like like Ted said in that piece you just heard and I know a lot of blog talk radio hosts who have done the very same. Some have said even worse and I don't, n- no one thinks that Ted Nugent means literally to go to the polls and chomp off folks' heads being dead, saying he'll be dead or in jail he's not threatening the president he's not threatening the president outright. And I don't think what he said warrants a visit from the Secret Service. Because a lot of us have said the ver something things that are very similar to that. And there is a certain thing called freedom of speech. But nevertheless well, let me let me take a moment here. Now let's take a listen to Farrakhan. And what he said. You're listening to the C. Robert Jones Situation Report. The call in number is three four seven eight eight four eight five hundred.
4: 884 black people, you can't love money more than you love your people. You can't love the big house, the big car, more than you love the advancement of your people. Because the enemy prints money every day that has no value. So there is no real leadership if it's not rooted in moral character. You want to be leaders, right? You sure? You sure? You better check yourself. Because leadership is nothing to play with. Because people tomorrow, maybe in a few days, are going to kill their leaders who've been selling them out. That's why we're in the shape that we're in right now, because we had corrupt people, or people who started
5: off good and got corrupted. All right. Now, what's the difference between the two? Farrakhan has already admitted as much to killing or being involved in the killing of Malcolm X. He boasted about it. We played the clips for you last night. He boasted. Pretty much trampled all over Malcolm's grave, stomped on it, spit on it, took his little weenie out and took a piss. Malcolm deserved to die. Talked about how it was a good thing, how you do not disrespect the prophet, blah, 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 and expect to live. The next thing you know, Malcolm's dead. So Farrakhan is saying, in a few days, some of those so-called leaders who started out good and now been corrupted, do you remember when? When Farrakhan stated that Barack Obama was the one, pretty much labeled him the Messiah. And then, well, Obama didn't do the whole black thing, hang out in the neighborhoods, smoke a joint, drink a 40. And he went out and knocked off a very close friend of Farrakhan. Momar Gaddafi. On WVON, the talk of the nation, Chicago's first premier black radio station, Farrakhan called the president out, told him to check himself, to watch himself, to be very, very careful. Even then, one wondered whether or not Farrakhan would receive his visit from the Secret Service. He did not to my knowledge. So what's really going on here? Is it okay for Farrakhan to pretty much say that certain leaders would be killed? And which leaders were he referring to, to be fair? He didn't mention any names. He said leaders, some who started out good and ended up not so good. We'll leave that to to your speculation right now. We're going to take a short break, and we'll come right back, and then we'll get on with the topic of the evening. Once again, you're listening to the C. Robert Jones Situation Report. We'll be right back. with the C. Robert Jones situation report. Obama will say and do anything by W. A. Beatty, Warren Beatty. Not the Warren Beatty, but the other Warren Beatty, a great article written in The American Thinker goes on to read this. And tell me what you think about it. Please do call in. The call-in number is 347-884-8500. Lying. Disassembling. Peddling. Half-truth. Redefining words. Taking credit for something in which he had no part. Those words, phrases, describe what President Barack Hussein Obama has said or done and is now saying or doing. Big oil. Lying. Lobbying. Lying. Big oil. Big oil has become a favorite Obama target. On March 29, 2012, Obama said, Congress, up until this point, has thought it was a good idea to send billions more of your tax dollars to the oil industry. And then Obama appealed to Congress to stand with the American people and vote to end subsidies to the oil and gas industry. But there's one big problem. Big oil receives tax incentives. In no sense can what big oil receives be called a subsidy. The sending of billions more of your tax dollars to the oil industry, further the, further the incentives, sometimes referred to as tax breaks, are valuable to any U.S. company, mine included. On November 10, 2007, candidate Obama said, I am in this race to tell the corporate lobbyists that their days of setting the agenda in Washington are over. They have not funded my campaign. They will not run my White House, and they will not drown out the voices of the American people when I'm president, quote, and in quote. I forgot to add the quote at the beginning and quote at the end. The Obama administration recently hired former lobbyist Steve Rischetti, a registered federal lobbyist, for nearly a decade to serve as counselor to Vice President Joe Joe Biden, and certainly Joe needs all the counseling he can get. Although Obama signed an executive order codifying this pledge to his Uh, On his first full day in office, the administration has made use of a loophole, of course, a loophole in the order that permits waivers for former lobbyists to serve. In some cases, the administration has hired former lobbyists without a waiver at all. Will Obama be reelected, folks? Are his chances 50-50? What are his chances of coming back? I mean, what the, the article in The American Thinker by Warren Beatty, again, not the actor Warren Beatty, but the blogger. Wait a minute. Politicians do this all the time, don't they? They tell half-truths, little white lies. They sort of speak in sound bites that uh, don't necessarily project the accuracy of the full statement or event. Redefining words such as subsidy and fair. One of the favorite words Obama likes to throw around is subsidy. and fairness and paying your fair share. I pay my fair share but apparently I should be paying more. Barack Obama will say and he will do almost anything in order to be reelected. Now last night, on last night's broadcast we talked about how Obama is not really a lawyer. He's not a lawyer anymore. He had to voluntarily, he was forced to voluntarily, voluntarily, voluntarily surrender his law license years ago. And so was his wife. Obama was forced to voluntarily surrender his license for lying on an application. Lying. His wife was forced to surrender her license as well for unknown issues. Obama touts that he was a professor of law, constitutional law, which he was not. Obama's birth certificate was revealed more recently to be a forgery, which was well known by a great many people. My good friend Sarge, who hosts a blog talk radio show, uh with uh, with uh, um um uh, G uh not G Ski but uh but uh G-G, uh G G T at eleven thirty says that Obama is a usurper and that he'll pretty much be done. His time in office is at an end. I'm not so sure. You know, there are those who say that Barack Obama is a shoe in for re-election, especially with the black vote. It doesn't matter what he does. He could, short of rape or murder, he's going to be re-elected. Oh, and before we go too far, I'd like to say goodbye to Dick Clark, who passed away. Today, of a heart attack at age 82. Um, I grew up watching American Bandstand, as a lot of you did. Soul Train, American Bandstand, both. And uh, I can honestly say I'm going to miss Dick Clark because he's been here (laughs) the whole 50 years I've been here. And, uh, well, okay. Another one goes. You'll find that as you grow older, and there are a lot of us who already know this, that we tend to lose people at a much more rapid pace than when we were younger. Now, actors and actresses and Radio and television personalities, you know, they're not really all that much a part of our lives because there was a time when me and 2020 and several other folks, a lot of other folks, millions of other people had only three channels, ABC, NBC, and CBS. And then shortly after came Channel 32 in Chicago, so we had four, four channels. Oh, and then PBS came a little bit later. So then we, with Sesame Street and all that, but we didn't classify that as a an actual television channel, although they did have the electric company and Morgan Freeman as the conductor. And on uh, Sesame Street, uh, Joan Rivers was uh, the voice of Letterman. But we had four, three, three, the three main broadcasting channels, ABC, CBS, and NBC. And, um so the television was uh, was was pretty much a part of the family and so was Dick Clark and uh Don Cornelius and uh and all those folks and when they pass away as we know they will it sort of speaks to our mortality a little bit it gives you pause to think wow this person has been around all my life now they're gone and then he starts to think that eighty's not that far off I'm 50 now that's just 32 years away well enough of that you know This <laughs> John Kerry John Kerry's famous uh, uh, Declaration um, If you will His famous uh, His famous um, I don't know I don't know how to start this Um let me see here. Let's take a minute here. Let me gather myself. <laughs> uh, I got caught up in the um, in the um, in the moment with the Dick Clark thing, and uh, I just wanted to you know look over a couple of notes, and now I'm, now I'm ready. John Kerry's famous declaration during the 2004 election campaign that he had been quote for it before I was against it crystallized in uh, voters' minds that he was the kind of politician who would easily shift positions. He would say one thing and then say another. and But all all presidents do that. All presidents speak to the audience. By his own actions, President Barack Obama is confirming that he too will say anything to get elected. And then govern differently from that. One of the latest examples, candidate Obama called the Export-Import Bank an egregious example of corporate welfare. What the hell does that mean? President Obama proudly praises the role of some damn bank in his economic policies. This guy is a clown. How anybody can stand by this guy while he wrecks this country it makes no sense to me. And I, and you know what? I'm waiting for my visit too. I, I, I'm sure that the Secret Service probably has my name on a piece of paper somewhere on, on their to-do list to come down and check me out and ask me a few questions. And I've got my favorite attorney on standby. He knows I do a blog talk radio show, and so he's listened to a couple of the shows, and he's sort of, you know, not warned me, but it advised me a little, given the fact that uh, I am still on the uh, reserve active list uh, as a marine, uh, a marine officer. There are certain things that I'm not allowed to say, Um, but uh, I just – I agree with um, Theodore. I agree with Ted Nugent. Um, Ted says that uh, come November – if Obama's reelected, he'll either be dead or in jail. I'm not sure. I'm not. I'm certain. You no, know, I don't know if I'll be alive, you know, tomorrow. But uh, I don't know. I kind of understand where Ted's coming from. I do. I'm. You know, it's gotten to the point where. Well, well, well let let's go here for a minute. The president has eight years. Let's just say he gets eight years in office. After that eight years, he's pretty much done. He's gone. He's got to go home. You can only serve two terms. So the question is, how much damage can Barack Obama do in eight years? Question number two is, is it possible – For a president to fundamentally transform the United States of America into a socialist utopia in eight years, is it possible for the president of the United States, as powerful as he is, to wreck our economy to the point where we cannot recover? The question is, can we recover Can we survive Barack Hussein Obama? Can we survive any president? Now we've had quite a few. As bad as Obama is, as inept as he is, my question to you is, is he survivable? Let's Suspend disbelief for just a moment. November November's arrived. Obama has been being reelected president of the United States against all odds. What then? What then? We'll take a quick break, and we'll be right back. You're listening to the C. Robert Jones Situation Report.
0: Why is Ayn Rand's great novel Atlas Shrugged a bestseller today, more than half a century after it was written? It's because our real world today is just like the fictional future that Rand foresaw in Atlas Shrugged. It's a time of crisis and decay, but it's also a world of innovation and achievement. It's a world of heroes and villains, driven by very different philosophies. We wrote, I am John Galt, to tell their stories. We look at the heroic innovators who are building our world and show that they're doing it just like the heroes of Ayn Rand's novels. They're using her philosophy of capitalism, reason, objective reality, and self-interest. Who is John Galt? Meet John Allison, the mild-mannered southerner who created one of America's greatest banking empires. He did it with Ayn Rand's philosophy by getting every one of his tens of thousands of employees to read Atlas Shrugged and live by its code. In the great financial crisis of 2008, his bank was about the only one that didn't need a government bailout. But the government forced Allison to take TARP money anyway. After that, Allison walked away, just like John Gall did. There's so many other Rand heroes in our midst. There's Bill Gates, the genius who built the world's greatest company and the world's greatest personal fortune, only to have his own government call him a criminal for succeeding too much. Isn't he just like Hank Reardon from Atlas Shrugged? And how about Steve Jobs, the brilliant entrepreneur who reinvented computers, movies, music, telephones, just because he thought it was so cool? He's got the same attitude toward life as Howard Rourke from Rand's other great novel, The Fountainhead. Build it? I don't care if they come. You'll meet some real-life-ran villains in our book, too, the parasites who are trying to destroy the world. Remember Wesley Mooch from Atlas Shrugged, the corrupt bureaucrat who destroyed the economy? That's Congressman Barney Frank, who spent years subsidizing Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac in the name of altruism. When Fannie and Freddie nearly wrecked the US housing market, what did Frank do? Just like Mooch, he demanded wider powers. And you'll meet Paul Krugman, the rabid partisan pundit who spreads socialism from the pages of the New York Times and thinks nothing of using the power of the press to destroy his political enemies. He's Ellsworth Toohey, the scheming, dwarfish newspaper columnist straight from the pages of the Fountainhead. These are some of the heroes and villains who move our world. So who is John Galt? I am. You can be too. Read our book and find out how.
5: All right, and we're back with the C. Robert Jones Situation Report. We have a call on the line. Let's see. Caller, you're on with the C. Robert Jones Situation Report. Hello. Hello. Oh, well, they're not ready yet. So, let's get back to the story. Suppose... Barack Hussein Obama wins reelection in November. What do we do? What do we do then? What happens with all the blog talk radio hosts? What do we say? What do we have to say? Imagine November rolls around, and Obama is president still for four more years. I've calculated it. I'll be fifty four nearly 55 when he's done. Does anybody else calculate a president's tenure the way that I do? I will be nearly 55 years old. What's my life going to look like? What's my life going to be like in nearly five years? How will have Barack Obama changed this country I can't see how his being president benefits me in any way at all I can't see how his being president enhances my life the value of my life the anything so far Barack Obama has been a president for has been our president for nearly four years, and he has done very little of anything to enhance anybody's life, anyone. There are those who are expecting free money, there are those who are expecting their bills to be paid. They don't have to worry about their car notes and paying their bills or putting gas in their cars. If uh, he they take care of him, he's going to take care of them. That didn't even happen. Black folks still haven't gotten their 40 acres and a mule. So, what now? Caller, are you there? I'm here. Hey, how are you? Is this uh, Karen from Minneapolis?
6: No, it's Karen from Idaho. (laughs)
5: Hi, Karen, how are you? I know, I know where you are. So, how are you?
6: I'm fine, thank you.
5: Now, I hear that you're going to be in D.C. sometime this summer. I am. All right. What's so going to happen?
6: That's the Grand Tour. Mm-hmm,
5: I'm mm-hmm. coming
6: to the Daughters of the American Revolution Continental Congress. It's a Grand ah, okay. Convention. So, yeah.
5: Wow. Well, i expecting are you,
6: a, a Grand are you, Tour.
5: Are you coming alone? Or are you, you coming with the group again?
6: Um. No. I'm. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be by myself and then my... After Regent, she's got things to do. do oh,
5: yet, nice. So I'll just be by myself. I see. Are you gonna be staying in that fine, fine hotel? I mean, let me tell you guys, uh Omni? Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. That was, that was, no. No yeah. I
6: don't
5: know how I don't know where I'll
6: be staying
5: yet. I tell you what, I, I, I uh when I when I was in town and um no, I, I came into DC, I was thinking of staying over at that hotel. Uh, and not going back home, just across the Potomac, not going, not going home. And um, I inquired as to the room rates, and I said, I, I, I said, no, no, never mind, I'm going home. I couldn't <laughs> af- I couldn't afford, I couldn't afford that place. Well, it's
6: only two hundred dollars
5: a night. That was two hundred dollars a night for you. For me, <laughs> it was four fifty. Out. Yeah, and the and the and it was like a single room. They oh they 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 had a king size bed. I mean, but it wasn't a suite. And a suite was going to cost me more than six. And I'm thinking, I, yeah, yeah. I was like, no, no, no. I got to go. So you you're doing the Daughters of the Revolution thing. Where's it? Where's it going to be? Well,
6: at the D A R museum.
5: Okay, all right. Actually, um,
6: it's going to be one of the big hotels,
5: mm-hmm. the Hyatt
6: or something. I don't remember.
5: I see. And how long are you gonna be in town?
6: Um, four or five days.
5: Okay. All right. So make sure you give me the date so uh, I will. So I can uh be there for you. So tell me what uh what do you do you have any thoughts about uh Ted Nugent and um and Farrakhan and the things that Ted Nugent said or are you just listening?
6: Well actually Ted Nugent um comes out here to Idaho, he owns a big ranch. Yeah. out here, and mm-hmm. he goes, comes out here and goes hunting and everything. So there's people in my hometown that know him, you know, well, from... And they everybody talks about what an awesome guy he is. And um, so I have a lot of respect for him.
5: Yeah, a, a lot. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. No, no, go ahead. I'll I
6: was going to say, the reason that I called in is you said that, um, you know, a president can only serve two terms. Um I think it was Eisenhower that served three terms, and then he said to Congress, "No, um, we need to change this."
7: Mm-hmm. And
6: I and I thought, what's going to stop changing? Getting Congress to change that so he could serve a third term. Well, and uh, isn't yeah. he signing things every day that without Congress's permission?
5: Yeah, I don't think that even the Democrats would allow him to serve more than two terms. And and here's here's a reason why why um everybody wants their turn. Folks want to take their turn. You know, this in the especially it doesn't matter what country you're in. You know, there's always going to be some there's somebody out there who after if let's say Obama is reelected and he's president of the United States for four more years, God forbid, uh mm-hmm. there's 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 somebody out there waiting in the wings who's going to say I want to be president too. Uh uh-huh. you know and uh you know you serving a third term is preventing me from being president and we can't have that. And you know this we're not back in the days where you know Roosevelt served so much time one of the reasons why Roosevelt was reelected uh was because of World War 2. And they wanted to maintain. uh, American citizens felt strongly that uh, he was managing the war, you know, quite well. And Mm -hmm. they wanted the continuity of um, of of him being in office, much like when uh, Rudy Giuliani was set to leave uh, the mayorship of New York, uh, just as. um, uh, the, uh, the the towers came down just just as nine eleven approached. Giuliani stayed on a couple of months longer in order to manage things and let Bloomberg, uh, I think it's Bloomberg, um, you know, ease into the job because Giuliani already knew the ins and outs of what was going on. So I think that even if you know he gets to the point where, first of all, I don't he he's a lazy dude you know i think he would want another democrat to come in and do the things you know and keep keep continuity with with the things that he wanted done but you know in all fairness i don't think that any president can fundamentally transform this country into something other than what it is because he's only got a certain amount of time and the next guy can come in and change it all wipe it all away the next president if it's romney he can sign a series of executive orders abolishing everything everything that um that uh, that obama has done you know unless we have a full-fledged dictatorship where the president is president for life there's mm-hmm. really no way for him to transform this country and turn it into something unrecognizable what do you think about that
6: I don't think that people would let him. I think people are mad enough right now that we're just kind of chomping at the bit to figure out what to do about the changes that he's made. Mm -hmm. And I think he did go further with the changes that there really would be a civil war break out. I I think that we're on a verge of a civil war now as it is. Yeah, I agree. So um, it's kind of a scary thought you know to think about neighbor taking up gun against neighbor um so i try really nice to be try hard to be nice to my neighbors
5: <laughs> yeah exactly well you know uh that that's a that's a pretty good point i don't believe that um i do believe that this country is torn and i believe that uh, obama has uh, an awful lot to do with that he has uh Divided this country, uh, and, and his supporters have to be a little bit disheartened by his behavior. They would have to be, because yeah. you know he he has he has split this country right down the middle. When he was supposed to come in, and 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 he stated himself, and I quote: "There are no red states, there are no blue states, but only the United States of America." Lofty rhetoric indeed, but. He didn't live up to that at all. It was more of a situation. It's more of a situation now where he's pitting the rich against the poor, blacks against whites, class against class. The country is is more divided now, to my mind, than when it than than the the Civil War. You think so? Yes. At that point, the country was divided about, uh, you know, w- 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 in terms of slavery, you know, mm-hmm. the issue of the issue of slavery and uh, states wanting to do um, conduct their business the way they they saw fit without federal intervention. Well, right. we have that states wanting to to do just that with regard to the health care law, and we have, uh, but but now. Um, you know this president has not has has not only pitted state against uh, state against a lot of states against the federal government, twenty six to be exact, but white against black, poor against the rich. Well, when saying that you know uh, we don't we don't begrudge you you know making you know a lot of money, you're just going to have to pay a little a little bit more, you know, for the privilege of doing so. But uh, given that there are um, citizens in this country who don't pay anything. I mean um, I don't know I don't know It just seems to me that uh, Things have gotten way out of hand With this president And the truth of the matter is All that talk about unifying the country I, I, I would have liked to have seen it happen You know to But uh, you know, but, uh, you know I I like the political back and forth where we have the Congress and the Senate and the judiciary, and we have conservatives not going along with liberal programs. But as far as the country as a whole is concerned, this division is weakening the country.
6: Yeah. I remember after the attacks on 9-11, how our country came together. And um that was magical but uh, I don't see that anymore.
5: Yeah, neither do I. Well
6: become divisive,
7: divisive.
5: Well, Karen, thank you so much for the call. The show is just about over. I wanna thank everybody for listening. Karen, get get with me on those dates so we can uh we can get together uh while you're in town and okay. uh and I'll look for you later. Thank everybody for listening tonight, um, 2020s in the house, Alexander, Blog Talk, uh, King, Evil Clown, all my guests, folks I have bribed and threatened to call in using their smartphones and iPads and stuff like that. Uh, John Galt, uh, Marine Times, Net King, Pendleton Marines, everybody, thank you for listening tonight. Come back tomorrow. We'll be here. Have a great night, everybody. God bless you, and God bless the United States of America. I'm out. Oh, 2020 has a show on tonight. Let's get over and see him. Oh, and GGT. Cool Mike, Sarge.
7: Try not to get worried. Try not to turn on to problems that upset you. Don't you know everything's all right? Yes, everything's fine. And we want you to sleep well tonight. Let the world turn without you tonight If we try, we'll get by So forget all about us tonight Everything's alright, yes Everything's alright, yes Sleep and I shall soothe you Come, you and anoint you for your hot forehead Then you'll feel everything's alright Yes, everything's fine and it's cool and the oh, not sweet for the fire in your head and feet. Close your eyes, close your eyes and relax. Think of nothing to know. Hey, you hey, your fine ointment, brand new and expensive, should happen safe for the poor. Why has it been wasted? Could have raised maybe three hundred silver pieces or more. People who are hungry, people who are starving—they matter more than your feet and hair. Hey! Not to get worried. Try not to turn on to problems that upset you. Don't you know everything's alright? Yes, everything's alright. Yes. Surely you're not saying we
3: have the resources to save the poor from their lot. There will be poor always, pathetically struggling. Look at the good things you've got. Think while you still have me move, while you still see me You'll be lost and you'll be sorry
7: When I'm gone Sleep and I shall soothe you, calm you And anoint you for your hot forehead Then you feel everything's alright, yes, everything's fine And it's cool and the ointment's sweet, for the fire in your head and feet. Close your eyes, close your eyes, and relax, think 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 of nothing. Close your eyes, close your eyes.